praise this morning. Hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord, and I'm going to take my Bible and uh, begin to read from Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And, uh, and, I, and I do want to say that I will be running, walking. You can join me uh, for Run for Hope. Uh, you can join me. You can, uh, you, can, you can give towards. You can join yourself. Do what you love to do. Find something that you love to do and get people to sponsor you to do whatever that, whatever that might be. Uh, if it's baking, if it's sewing, if it's, you know, whatever, gardening, do what you love to do. And let's uh, raise money for world evangelism. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. This is what it says. As we continue this theme, we're talking about family. And, and, uh, and you know, where do families even come from? And this kind of, this verse kind of takes us to that place. Uh, something that Linda said earlier uh, today as she was um, uh, praying and worshiping the Lord, that, uh, that God hears you. God hears us. And he knows our needs. But this is what it says. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we read these words that we would hear your voice, that we would hear your heart, what it is you are saying both to Adam and beyond Adam to us. Help us to hear what you desire to say. What, what are you communicating about yourself and about us when we find ourselves in this similar situation? So we just ask for you to speak. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's people say, amen, amen. You know, the two greatest decisions that, uh, that people will ever make is, first of all, the decision for salvation. There is no greater decision that a person can make than to give their life to God, to be saved, to say, God, I surrender. He created us. And when we give our lives back to him, that is the greatest decision that a person could ever make. The second, the second greatest decision a person could make is that decision for marriage. You think about that. To be committed to somebody for the rest of your life. What makes these two uh, important decisions? Well, both are permanent, long-lasting vows. They are permanent vows that will last us the rest of our lives. Commitments that can't be broken. They are often broken. There are times when, when people break these commitments. There are times when people go into them and it, 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 they go into them you know, with a wrong thinking or or things don't work out, or they marry a person they didn't expect, or whatever it may be, and, and things don't work out. But these are commitments that can't be broken, according to the Lord. And so both must be entered into with great consideration, both salvation and marriage, to consider the cost, to think about, can I finish this thing, right? As I make this decision, Jesus says, no one puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God, for service in the kingdom of God. He's expecting that if you put your hands to the plow, you're going to look forward. You're going to move forward. You're going to keep going forward. You're not start looking back. And the same is true in marriage. During the marriage ceremony, I actually say that marriage is something we should not enter into lightly or unadvisedly, but reverently, 
discreetly, advisedly, so soberly, and in the fear of the Lord, right? And when you think about it, both salvation and marriage have been the cause of enormous challenges for people. Enormous challenges, both uh, uh, create uh, this change of lifestyle. You don't live the same way. When you get saved, you don't continue living the same way. When you get married, you don't continue, I hope you don't continue living the same way. Things change in both scenarios. You have a change of friends. When you get saved, your friends change. We don't do the same things. We don't, you don't, you know, calling the same people. You, you, you know, you can't have Sancho calling at midnight anymore, right? Things change. Our friends change. Our actions change. Our lifestyle changes. Because, you know, God is calling us to a new place. It's a new commitment. And because there's no specific pattern, you think about what does it look like? How do, how do you go about you know, coming together, starting a family. There's no specific biblical pattern that instructs us how people come together. You know, there are no, like, detailed step one and step two on how we do that. God leaves much of that up to us if we're able to respect those that we care about, to find ways that honor those that we care about, and not leading them on not leaving them hurt, not using them for our own, uh, you know, ideas, uh, preferences, and hurt people in the process. But the one thing God really makes clear is that it is his plan for you and for all of us that we have a companion in this life. The Lord God said to Adam, it, or, or he said to in, in, his, in that time during Adam's loneliness, he says, it is not good for the man to be alone. And he is speaking to whom? He's speaking to himself, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. It is, it is good that we created all that we created. The earth, it is good day and night. The, the trees and the plants that bear fruit after each other, all the animals, everything is good. Everything is good. But this is not good. It is not good for the man to be alone. I, the Lord says, I will make a helper suitable for him. To be lonely is more than just being by yourself. This concept, this idea, honestly, there are many people who can be by themselves and not be lonely. Right? So there's, it's a state of being. You can be by yourself and not feel lonely. You can be alone. Right? You can be isolated and alone, but not lonely. You have companions. You have connections. You have others that you're connected to. You have, you know, you have a social life, uh, and you're connected to others. But to be lonely is that state of having no one to relate to, no one to talk to. And for some people, this carries feelings of, of uh, sadness and longing for a genuine companionship, a genuine relationship. Then you have some people who have tons of friends, all kinds of friends, tons of relatives, tons of acquaintances. You know, you have all kinds of connections and networks and people, you know, that follow you on your social media, but then have a lack of a sense of real connection with someone in their life. All kinds of things going on, but no real connection, no real uh, relationship with someone you can just talk 
to pour your heart out with. And many people will go for years in this state of loneliness because the everyday run-of-the-mill friendships are good, but they're just not good enough. There are those that just need a little more. And, and we go in life, through life, just like Adam. Adam's bit, he was there. God created this perfect place, a perfect existence. But in this perfect place, in a perfect life, it is loneliness that can mess it up. It's loneliness that interrupts the, the goodness that God creates, right? So family is excellent. But there comes a time when God wants to sprout a new branch on that family tree, a new branch, a new beginning, a new home, right? New relationship. And this is where Adam found himself, having been the first and only human to be created on earth. He was the only person. There wasn't anybody like him at this point in time. So he had no idea what human companionship was all about. He didn't even know, didn't realize it. If he didn't know it, then he wasn't sure that he missed it, right? He, there, it wasn't there, right? He didn't know what human friendship was. He was surrounded by countless animals that God had created, a beautiful garden, and he walked with God, the Bible tells us, on a daily basis. So he had, you know, company. He, he was there with the animals. He was there with God, but it was God who said, my relationship with you is good. You know, that's a good thing. My relationship with you is necessary, but in terms of human companionship, it is not good. God is saying this. It is not good for the man to be alone. I am with him. God is with him all the time. God is with you. He walks with us. He's there with us. And you might have, you know, all kinds of people and things all around you. But God says, hey, this isn't good that there isn't someone suitable as a helpmate, suitable as a companion. It is not good for you to be alone. You can have the whole world to yourself. You can have all the animals in the world as, a, as pets. And some people love their pets. They're just fine with their pets. If all, if all I have is my pet, I don't need people. There are people like that, right? Love their pets. They humanize their pets. They'll save their pet over they would save a, a human, right? Wow. A lot of us. But God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. Man, what, a, what an amazing image this is. What an amazing image. He has a relationship with God. And God, God takes all of his attention because he's the only, uh, you know, a communicable kinds of relationship that he has. So he can talk to God and, and walk with God, relate with God. And, and he doesn't even know about human friendship. He doesn't even know about, he didn't know any of that. There were animals, there were things to see, things to do. But God says, you know what, there's more for the human that I made. There's more to them. And God noticed that there was more. And out of all the good, God says, is good in creation. Out of all the things, the one thing that is not good is the absence of companionship. So in verse 19, God brought the animals to Adam. This is interesting. He, brought, he brings the animals to Adam, and he wants Adam to name the animals. And it says this, 
It says, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Verse 20 says, So the man gave names to all the livestock, to the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. And that last piece kind of gives us the idea of what God was doing. I want you to see everything that there is to see. I want you to see all the creatures there are. Look at them. Name them. But as you are looking and naming, I, I want you to search. I want you to look. So he named the cows. And he named the chickens, the earthworms, the turtles. He named all of it. And in the midst of all that activity, as he was naming all of these creatures, Adam was searching. He was looking and he was noticing that there's nothing here for me. That there's no companionship for me. You know, is there a companion suitable for me in God's creation and all that he made that is good? So he's naming and he's looking. And after naming all the wild animals and all the birds of the air, he noticed something very peculiar. Not a single one, not a single one is like me. There is nothing here. Out of all these, there are tons of animals. It's animals of every shape, every size, but there is none like me. He also noticed that each of them had a partner, a companion. Each of them had a counterpart. Each of them had an opposite, male and female, all but Adam. And it wasn't until he got to the end of naming all the animals there were to name, that he realized that God, God has to bring someone into my life. God has to give me what I'm missing because I, I can't find it. I can search, but I won't find what I need. With all of my searching, I can't find her. With all of your searching, you can't find her. You can't find him. You'll look but you can't find him. Human companionship is the custom design of God. This is what God does. God had to custom design her for Adam, specially made for Adam. And I love what it says at the end of verse 22. It says, and he, speaking of God, and he brought her to him. He created her and he delivers her brought her to Adam. Adam didn't have to, uh, you know, get this app called Plenty of Fish. Hello. If you ask Adam, Adam would tell you, Man, I know there's plenty of fish. <laughs> I named them all. I know that there's plenty of fish, right? God brought me my companion. And by doing so, he healed my loneliness. It was something God does, not something I do. It's not something I create, conjure, fix, work out, you know, search for, click. I, it's not something I have to do. It can happen that way. I, and it, obviously it does. It does. It, but God can do it. Now imagine if Adam couldn't wait for God. Imagine in all of his desperation, he's there, he's looking at the animal. Man, they have, man, the zebra has a mate. Right, you know, gopher, man, even the gopher, man, the badgers and earthworms. How come I don't have a companion? 
someone to relate to. And, and imagine if he couldn't wait for God, because there are some people who have a hard time waiting for God. Hello. Right. They, they're in a hurry for relationship. And imagine halfway through naming the animals, he just picks one as a companion. He says that God is taking too long and this process is taking too long. So out of desperation, he just says, hey, Miss Giraffe. Those are some lovely eyelashes you have there. You, know? <laughs> you talk about a compatibility problem. Frustration in the relationship. Think about that relationship. Adam would only deepen his loneliness in a relationship that wasn't meant for him. That's a relationship not meant for you. And you'll only deepen your loneliness. And there are people who do this very thing. Out of desperation, they reach out to a giraffe or some other thing, whatever it may be. But after naming all the animals and realizing that there were no suitable companions anywhere for him, God custom made his companion a perfect match, someone who understood him, someone who was a counterpart to him perfect for him, able to exchange thoughts and ideas, feelings and emotions, right? Affections, hopes and dreams. Try doing that with a giraffe. It doesn't work. It has to be a companion that is suitable for you. And only God can custom make that individual for you. And that's what the scripture is showing us. The scripture makes it very clear. Adam didn't need a whole bunch of companions. Hello. He didn't need a whole lot, just one. You know, in the, in the human body, we have, we have 24 ribs, right? Uh, you know, we have a, a set, there's like 12 ribs, a set, you know, of two, 12 ribs. God only gave, took one rib and made Eve, just one. And we have all these ribs, you know, you know Adam could have said, hey, Lord, thank you for, for Eve. Uh, but there's more where that came from, you know. I got 20, I got 23 more, right? Can you set up a brother with a rack? Can you give me a rack of ribs, you know? God showed him, no, all you need is one. All we need is the one. But in order to meet Adam's need, this is what God did. He put him to sleep, took a rib from his side, and he formed a wife and brought her to him. God did what Adam could not do. God does what we cannot do. God can do this. So this morning, there are a couple things I just want you to think about. Number one, number one, when you look at the story, I want you to notice something that God notices. God notices. God noticed in all of the beauty of creation, in all of the beauty of all that God had made, God noticed that there was something amiss in someone's life, in Adam's life, that it is not good for him to be alone. He notices that. He noticed that with him. And if by chance that sense of loneliness is, is building up in our lives, God notices. He takes notice of his creation. It does not slip by him. It may be for a while. You may have experienced this. There are people who have gone through it for a while, but God notices. He knows his creation. Number two, 
God designs. It's obvious in this story that not only did he notice Adam's emptiness, his need, his, his, his aloneness, his isolation, but God set, apart, set about himself to fix that need. And what he did is he designed the woman using a part of Adam's life, a part of his body, so that she is compatible, that she is flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone, not from some other species, not from some other, you know, you know but, but like him, of him, so that she could be with him. Some have said that, they've, that God used the rib because it's by his side as a companion. You know, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but it's a good illustration because it's so true what a companion ought to be, equals together, compatible, suitable for one another. This is what God designs. He designed the perfect mate for Adam. So God designs. Not only does he notice, but he designs. And thirdly and lastly, God brings. And like I said, man, I, I, out of this story, the most fascinating part of it is at the end of verse 22 where it says that God brought the woman to Adam. And many people will read and, and read right over that, miss it, and miss the point that God is showing us that he brings people into our lives. God brings them. That we don't have to search for them. We have to look for them. We don't have to try and do things to make it happen. You know, uh, the, you know making, dropping like little, little you know, messages, uh, you know, telling people, hey, can you leave this? Can you tell this person this for me? Uh, leaving notes and sending things and all kinds. People have all kinds of creative ways to try and be noticed, right? Whether it be, you know, the, the things we do to send things, how we dress, what, whatever it may be. God brings companions into our lives. And so this morning, I'd like to pray for us. I'd like to pray for our city. I'd like to pray for our church. I'd like to pray for those you might know that are lonely and hurting. Lonely and searching. And they sense that loneliness. God notices. I want you to know that this morning, that God notices. God is able to design the perfect match for us. But it's God also who brings that person into our lives. Heavenly Father, this morning, I want to thank you, Father God, for those who have found wives, those who have found husbands, that companion, that friendship, those who are content right where they are. Father God, who are content in their loneliness. Father God, you have created that space in their lives. But we celebrate this morning, we celebrate the fact that it's you, dear God, who brings people together. That in this image of companionship is the budding process of family. This is where family begins. Your word says, because of this, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife in the building up of their own home, where new families emerge, new families are generated cultivated. They grow and become strong. And so I pray, Father God, that we get this process right, that we don't try to build and create on our own, that we allow you to bring that companion into our own lives, custom made, as you notice our own loneliness. I pray, my God, your blessing upon us, that you would speak to us I pray for the strength of our married couples, Lord God, 
I pray for the strength of those, Lord God, who are, who are engaged, Lord God. I pray, Father, for your strength and grace and providence for those who are, are widowed, Lord, that whose companions are no longer with them. Strength to endure. Strength, my God, to go forward. I pray your peace, your comfort, my God, your grace as you hear the needs of your people. Meet needs, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Isaiah 30, 18 says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And we wait for the Lord this morning. We wait for him in everything we do. Uh, whenever we try to step out and do whatever it may be on our own, we find that we get ourselves into trouble. We make mistakes. We, we don't know all things. We, we can't figure all things out. And sometimes we rush ahead of God and we, and we make mistakes. God notices. God designs. And God is able to deliver. Amen. If you'd stand with me this morning. Hallelujah. I'm just going to pray. If God has spoken to you, perhaps you're married and you just want to pray for your marriage. The strength of your things going good. Praise God for our, our, our marriages, our families. Thank, thank God for our extended families. But I also want to pray for us. I want to pray for us that, that we, because we live in a world without real friendship, we live in a world of shallowness. We live in a world where sometimes even those that are closest to us are, are shallow and, and friendships aren't as deep as they could be. And God knows. He notices and so this morning, I'd like to pray for you. And if God has spoken to you, maybe you want to pray for yourself, your own family, your, 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 your marriage, or, or even for those that you know and love and care about. I'm just going to open the altars and I'm going to pray a prayer this morning for us. Heavenly Father, right now, as we stand before you, I pray for this, this thing that is so meaningful to you, this thing called companionship, companionship in the terms of friendship, companionship in marriage, companionship in family. Father God, I pray. Lord God, it is you who takes notice of your people. It is you from your word, the words of your own mouth that says that it is not good for us to be alone. So you, Father God, notice our loneliness. You design that companion for us, and you, at the right time, your time, can bring that person into our lives. A companion that is true. A companion that is suitable. Not to harm, not to hurt, but to elevate, to meet those needs. One that we can relate to. One that we can commit to. Lord, we pray that you would bring those individuals in our lives because you love us. You love us this morning. We thank you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father God, do that work here in our church. Do that work in our city. Father God, our city is plagued with empty relationships. Our city is plagued with broken promises, marriages that are broken, divorce, my God. We, we, we are plagued, Father God, with brokenness. And I pray, Father God, let, my God, your love 
that, that love, that friendship love that you're able to pour in the hearts of people, true commitment. Father God, let it happen here in our city. Let us be a model, Father God, of what it means to be genuine individuals, genuine in friendships, companionships, in our marriages, Lord. Let us be model citizens for kingdom life and what it means to be connected, united with you, my God. Meet the needs of your people, for you bless those that wait for you. My God, I pray for strength, your peace and compassion. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and play a song. Spend some time before the Lord. Let's talk to him.